All right, let me check in with the kids. Are they still awake? All right, kindergartners, how are you guys doing? You guys holding up? There's like four of them in that little pocket over there. That's Fife Nation, right? It's good to see you guys. All right, where else are we? You got a few on laps. That's a good sign, usually. All right, so it's good to see you guys. This week, what we're going to do um, is kind of a continuation almost of last week. Jeff was here last week. If you were here, we did a graduation-themed service, and he did a word study on the word finally, right? You guys were here last week? All right, he gave us five charges from that word finally, which is good. And so for us kids, a, a word study is when you take a specific word in the Bible and you look at all the times it shows up, you, you turn your pages, and there's, there's a electronic way to do this, but you go find every time the word shows up, and then you look at it and see what the Bible's saying. Um, so what we're going to do tonight is actually a verse study. We're going to look at a couple verses from John chapter 19, and we're going we're gonna to not do a word study, but we're going to look at these two verses and see what God's trying to tell us through these two verses in particular. And for kids, this is different. Grown-ups, we're used to this. Kids, they're used to covering like the entirety of Noah in like a 30-second class time over a snack, right? So I have to clarify, we're not moving fast. Um, we're, we're gonna just stick with two verses. And so turn to John. John is my favorite disciple. The kids know this. I see some surprised faces. That's okay to have a favorite disciple. It's an all right thing. What you can't have is a favorite child, right? Um, when I was a kid, I, I went and asked my dad, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna figure this out. I'm probably the same size as the youngest people in the room, and I go and ask my dad and say, okay, dad, which of us kids is your favorite? And I'm looking at him, and dad goes, oh, no, son, you see, I don't have a favorite. I love you all the same. And I was suspicious about this, because my dad had also told us that he loves us to the moon and back, which is a really large number of love points Right, it's a very large number, and I'm thinking, okay, so you got five kids, you love us that many numbers, and there's not one point of variance between Kylie and the second favorite child, right? <laughs> so, so I was suspicious. I, I employed Brayden, and I said, okay, Brayden, you gotta come help me out, man. And so I sat across the room, I sent Brayden to talk to dad, to, to ask him the same question I did, and then through my dad's micro expressions, his eyebrows and nose, I was gonna be able to deduce which of us he actually liked the most, right? It was a foolproof plan. I was, I was like, Avi, I was smart. So I sent Braden, and Braden goes in, he's, Dad, Dad! He's very small and squeaky in my memory because he's bigger than I am now, right? So Braden goes and asks Dad and says, okay, Dad, which of us is your favorite? Dad says, Braden, uh, I'm so, I don't know what to tell you. I don't have a favorite. I love you all the same. I don't have any favorites but your mother. And I was like, wow. Oh watched his face, I'm like, I learned absolutely nothing. Wait, mom, what did you just say? And I ran over there offended, did you just tell me that you love mom the most? And dad's like, oh yeah, your, your mom, if your mom is playing, yeah, she wins, that's it. It's, I love her way more <laughs> than all of you guys. I've got five kids, you guys are replaceable. I only have one of her. <laughs> right, and I was terribly offended for like 30 seconds until he, won me back over with a go-gurt or something. <laughs> I was sitting across the room like, huh, mom, wow. Should have known. Something special about moms, right? And Jesus agrees with that. There is something special about moms. This will tie us into the verse of the day, right, which is my favorite disciple, John, and the mom of Jesus. 
All right, so we're gonna read these verses, which is John 19, 26, and 27, and then we're gonna talk about the context and we're gonna see what's in them. We're gonna do a proper verse study on it. So John 19, 26 says, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, behold thy mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her unto his own home. All right, so you guys can see why this is a good couple verses for foster and adopt night. Because this is Jesus adopting John into the family of Christ, right? You could, you could hear the passion that the Mavoys were talking about and that the adopt and foster families have here at Midtown. One thing we wanna see is that God has this same exact passion. This is a really important part of scripture. For those of us grown-ups in the room, we've probably read past it, but let's spend some time here. Because the next verse, verse 28, says that after this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith I thirst. That's kind of important. That was the last thing Jesus had to, had to do before everything was accomplished, was to tell his mom, woman, behold thy son, and to tell that disciple John, whom he loved, behold thy mother. And then that was it. He saved this thing for last. We should pay attention. This is an important thing. God doesn't want us to miss this. And already, I mean, those of you who have been here for a while, we can see that there's a lot of application we can take from this. There's a lot of directions we can go, right? It's a picture of someone seeking Christ at the cross, being placed into the family of Christ by, by Christ on the cross. That's a good picture, right? That, you have some takeaways from there. It shows us that if we are faithful to follow Christ, he is able to use us in a bigger way in the lives of those around us, our earthly family. Um, but the thing I wanna look at is, is, man, it shows Jesus just how much he cares about his mom and how much he cares about his family. That was, that was the last thing he did was taking care of his mama. Isn't that fun? It was also the first miracle he did was taking care of his mama. He was helping her with her wedding organizing friends, right? So let's look at the context, all right? So, so anytime we're doing a verse study, we're gonna check out what's before and after it. And so kids in the room, we, we have to know that this is actually a really sad point in Jesus' life. This is a hard point in Jesus' life. Because when he's looking around and seeing the disciple whom he loved, and he saw Mary, and they were both there, the place he was looking at them from was the cross, right? That's kind of a heavy story for us whenever we talk about Jesus on the cross. It's kind of a sad thing. He was hurting a lot whenever he was on the cross. I, I think it's also worth mentioning that as, as, as much as he was going through, it was worth it, and this is also the greatest victory. He, he's currently fighting a battle and about to have the greatest victory across all humanity. You guys ever watch a movie? Like, how many of you have seen Braveheart? If any kids raise their hand, I'm judging your parents. <laughs> if you've seen Braveheart, you know there's a moment where there's, he's going through it, man. He is suffering and in trial, and you're watching. It's like painful to watch, but at the same time, you're kind of like, yeah, he's also kind of winning. Or like, I, I always grew up the Lord of the Rings. This is another dad thing. He'd have us watch Lord of the Rings, like all three back to back as character building, but joke's on him because we enjoyed it, right? <laughs> In the very last Lord of the Rings, they all go to like save Frodo and, and, and they're trying to draw the attention of the bad guys. So they throw themselves against this enemy that they can't defeat. 
Normally, that'd be a sad thing, but when you're watching it, you're like, yeah, they're fighting the fight. They're about to have a victory, and you can go through, you know, the Iron Man snap or whatever media you want to choose. There's actually something that resonates with us in this story of somebody fighting a battle and suffering in order to win a victory. So that's what Christ is doing here on this cross. It's, it's a heavy time, but we can't miss the context that Jesus is also winning a great victory. And when we look at scripture, what we're gonna see is, is John is special, John's been following Christ, but this victory that Christ is winning is what lets him bring John into the family. This is, this is the first time that someone is brought directly, personally, into the family of Christ. Now you can go back to Mark, chapter three, and, this, and, and he says, everyone around me, he looks on the multitude and says, if you do my commandments, you're my mother and my, and my brother, right? And we have that illustration used figuratively. That's also where you get that, the scary thing, which is those that aren't doing what Christ wants, those, those Pharisees, and he says, you're of your father, the devil. That's kind of a scary thing. We don't want to be in that family. We want to be in Christ's family. And at the cross, Christ is winning the victory that makes that possible. Isn't that kind of cool? That's an exciting thing that Christ did that on the cross for us. And so we're gonna scoot back a little bit and we're gonna focus on John. So in the verse study, let's go ahead and read. And the first thing we're gonna look at is the first part of verse 26. So when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, we can cross-reference that and we know that the disciple whom he loved is it's John, right? It's, it's really clearly John. And he's my disciple. I'm not gonna say he's Jesus' favorite disciple, but he does say he loves him more than anyone else, so I'm just gonna put that out there. <laughs> and he looks down and he sees John, and I can ask, so the kids in the room, why did he see John? This is not a trick question. When Jesus is looking out, how, why did he see John? Sophie, what do you think? So John could know about Jesus? to be his disciple, ooh, that is perfect. That's exactly what I was looking for. John was a disciple of Christ, and John wanted to know about Jesus, so John was kind of wherever Jesus was anytime you find John after he was called, right? He got called in Luke 5. Anytime after that, you look for, the, you look for John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, it's kind of wherever Jesus is at, right? It, says, it's, it even says in Luke chapter five that he forsook all and followed him. Forsook everything. So you have the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus is lifted up and man, it's kind of, he kind of transforms. If you like Pokemon, he like momentarily evolves into super Jesus, but then he comes back to normal so he doesn't explode the earth or something, right? And you've got John there for that at the Mount of Transfiguration. And then you've got all the teaching. John is always there. When there's only three disciples, Peter, James, and John, one of those is actually John, right? Along with Peter and James. In fact, uh, one of the ones I like the most, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible, is whenever Jesus is at their last supper. Everyone had just welcomed Jesus in. Jesus is talking and it said he's troubled in spirit and he says to the disciples at the same table, he tells them, hey, one of you is gonna betray me. And the disciples respond how you would think they would respond. We're gonna betray you, what, what, wait, what? And they're looking at each other and they're all like surprised by this. And Peter wants to ask Jesus, well, which one of us is it gonna be? But he can't 
because John's big head is in the way, because John's right here. It's like he's lying on Jesus' breast. So Peter's like, did he just say, hey, John, would you? And finally, he's like, okay, John, could you ask him? Who did he just say to, to do what? Right, and then John, so John, lying on, on Jesus' breast, asked him, so he's like this far away, like, hey, Jesus, which, which, which one of us is gonna betray you again? And he's got all that unleavened bread breath right up in Jesus' face. Right? John, he made sure that wherever Jesus was at, he's gonna stick to him like glue. And so when everything gets hard, after that dinner, in the garden, there's a bunch of soldiers that come to arrest Jesus. And there's tons of scary soldiers. They've got swords and armor. Most of the disciples run away. Peter, Peter and John are the only two that follow him to the palace where Jesus is gonna be tried. Peter stays outside. Only John makes it into that building. And so at the end, when Christ is on the cross, he looks down, he sees his mother, and he sees John. There's very few people that follow Christ all the way to the cross. It's, it's, it's kind of a sad thing that none of the other disciples made it. So this is something that we can learn from John. This, this is a, a takeaway point that we can have, that Christ gave us the example of John at the cross and, and the first thing we have to learn from John is to make our place wherever Christ is. We want to be with Christ all the time. And now this looks a little bit different today. We don't have a physical person of Jesus that we can follow around. Like there's not, all of Kaya doesn't sit here because that's where Jesus sits, right? We can't actually find a physical body of Jesus. Instead, what we have is the word of God. John 1.14, John tells us, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. All right, so this is actually how we have a relationship with Jesus today. Isn't that kind of cool? We actually get to have a relationship with Jesus. And so my question for us is then, knowing how much John was sticking to Christ, are we sticking to our word the same way that he was? That's, that's the question. We can think about it in our own lives. Are we sticking to our word the same way that John was sticking to Jesus? Whenever I was in high school, I, had, I didn't have a, a phone with a Bible app, so I actually brought my Bible to school and had it put on my desk um, every day for the, for the years that I was at high school. I'd carry my Bible around, right? We have a lot of kids in the room who are going to school. Something to think about. Now, for, for me, it did a couple things. It made the opportunity to have a lot of conversations about the gospel, right? What it also did is anytime I was thinking about cheating on a test or punching someone in the nose or, you know, knocking a lady down the stairs, I knew that I had my Bible right there looking at me. So anytime any of those thoughts came through my brain, man, Jesus is looking up at me like, hey, mm, that, because we know that that's Jesus, right? So the, the, the takeaway is that we all need to start carrying our Bibles around and um, you know, we need to start holding them up and pointing them at people like magic <laughs> wands or anything. If you want to, I don't think there's anything in the Bible against it. No, but the takeaway, is that we ought to be considering, are we sticking with the word? Is the word sticking in us that way? Every interaction that someone has with us, are they walking away understanding that, hey, this person's place is with Christ? When you're having a conversation about weird things, you're, you're talking about politics, is your response, well, man, I don't really know. I just, I, I think what Jesus thinks about that subject. Someone asks you a question you don't know. Hey, what do you think about this thing you don't know about politics? Are we making something up or are we saying, I have to go read the Bible to figure out what it says about this thing before I make a decision? Because my place is with Christ, right? 
What about our family? Are we, are we talking and communicating and living Christ? Are we treating the people around us just like we would as if Christ was standing right next to us? It's something to think about. And if your answer is, oh yeah, I'm doing great, you probably wanna consider your heart because I think all of us can do a better job of this. We know that because no one made it to the cross except John um, and, and some, other, some other ladies. So there's John and a bunch of women. It's like a Kaya front row. <laughs> so God gave us a clear picture of John pursuing and, and wanting to be with Christ. And then we see one of the coolest things in the Bible in the rest of verse 26. So he saw his mom. He saw John. John was always there, so he saw him. And he saith unto his mother, woman, behold thy son. John got brought into the family of Christ, and he, didn't, he wasn't even asked about it, right? Christ did the entirety of the work from the cross, and John, hearing Christ talk to Christ's mom, finds out that he is invited to be in Christ's family. Isn't that a cool thing? Now, the, the, the picture is really, you know, it presents itself pretty quickly that Jesus and his physical mom is a good picture of Jesus and his spiritual dad. And Jesus on the cross invites us to be a part of his family from the cross. And, and, and from the cross, he is paying for all of our sins that were preventing us from being with him, right? So turn to Romans 8, 15 through 17. This is the heart that I want us to get from this part of the verse. John was sticking with Christ, but man, the work that Christ did on the cross was for the sole purpose of inviting us to have a right relationship with him. God loves this thing of adoption. John got adopted into Christ's family because God loves that. Romans 8, 15, and I'm gonna read all the way through 17. It says, for we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. We may be also glorified together. Right, this is the heart that God has for us, the spirit of adoption. I feel like we're not getting this as much as we should. This is the last thing that Christ did before he said everything's accomplished was to give us this picture of being adopted into Christ's family. Man, John did a great thing. He was pursuing the Lord. He was sticking to the word. And we can learn a lot from that. But it was Christ and Christ on the cross who brought him into the family. And we have to see that, that, that point. Um, we have to see the example of salvation here at the cross. Are you guys drawing the parallels with me? How when Christ died on the cross and, and paid for our sins, that separated the thing that was keeping us in the family of our father, the devil, right? That's not a good family to be in, but by default, it's the family that we were all born into. It was kind of a scary thing for me as a kid whenever I considered that. It was a big decision to follow Christ, but it was a much bigger decision to decide to stay in the other family, which is of the father, the devil, right? But Christ on the cross, when he's winning that victory, he's paying for our sins so that we can then be adopted into that family and now we get to say to God, Abba, Father, which is dad in two languages. 
dad, papa, right? Isn't that cool? You can look more into that, but that's an amazing thing that we get to call God the Father, dad. We are joint heirs with Christ. If Christ is a prince, that makes us princes and princesses, right? I know all the little girls that want to be a princess. Well, man, there's a reason you want that, because God also wants that with Christ. Not a Disney princess, a, a godly princess, right? God did the work at the cross. He gave us a place in his family. And then I want us to see the last thing because the, the verses that we're looking at don't actually end there. John is a part of God's family. He says, woman, behold thy son. Jesus' words are true. John's a part of God's family at this point, right? Then he turns to John and continues talking. The last thing he says to another human being, according to John before, uh, you know, he says, I'm thirsty, broadly. He says, it is finished. But the last thing addressed to a specific person, he said to the disciple, behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. The last thing I want us to get from these verses is that Christ has given us a purpose in his family, not just a place in the family. We're not just here on earth and we, we, we get saved and then poof, we're, we're done. We don't have to do anything else. After John was in the family, he turns to him and he says, hey, this is your mom now. And John understood what Jesus was saying. From that hour, John was acting as Mary's son in the, in the place of Christ. He was being Christ to Mary. Whenever Christ died, Mary was sad. Joseph of Arimathea and uh, Nicodemus came to get the body to prepare it. Mary went somewhere to cry. And we see from this verse, from that hour, she went to John's house to cry, uh, to, to grieve for her son. That's because John understood that he was supposed to be Christ to Mary. This was the assignment. This was the, the job, the responsibility that Christ was giving to his trusted disciple was to care for the family of Christ. And guys, I want us to, to notice and, and to put ourselves in John's shoes here, where we think of, of, of not just Mary, but we look at the people around us and consider that Christ wants us to represent Christ to the people around us. God put us in a big family. First Timothy 5, 1 and 2 says, rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren. The elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. So this is why the pastors do that thing where they have us turn to each other and say something kind of fun, and we look and we can say to the, the man sitting next to us, hey, brother, right? The reason we say brother and sister is because God has brought us into the same family. That's kind of a cool thing, but I think we miss it a lot of the times, just what that means. I think we, we tend to look at that and say, man, cool, new position, got it, and then we move on to the next thing. What we have to remember is that these relationships are not, I, I, can't, I was trying to come up with a good way to say this. I came up with One Directional, where, but there's the song, there's the band. It was a great thing except for the band One Direction, but we're gonna use it anyway. It's One Directional which is we think that, that our relationships, there's only one direction that impacts the relationship. Kids do this a lot, wherever you have a tiny little baby, very one directional. The baby and the mom's relationship is 100% the mom's fault. Make sense? You got a kid that's uncomfortable. Whose fault is that? The kid thinks it's mom's fault. How that makes sense, I don't know. So they scream and they cry and they yell and they poop all over the guest room that they claimed is their own. And then they blame their mom for it and they cry until their mom comes and fixes it. Right, you've got a little baby that's hungry. 
Same story. I'm hungry, I'm gonna scream until mom comes and fixes this problem in our relationship, right? You got a baby that's, even if they, you know, kids get mad about weird things. They think about a new color that freaks them out. Well, they're gonna cry until mom fixes the color thought that they had. They're gonna scream at mom or until they forget about it, right? You guys have seen kids cry for nothing, right? Okay, we do the same thing in our relationships if we're not careful. Where we look at our, our friends and we think, oh man, this person, yeah, I don't really get along with that person. Why? Because he said this thing. I don't really, I don't really love this girl. I, I, we just don't hang out a lot. I don't really spend much time with them. I got a problem with him because she did this one thing. You guys ever hear that? What about a clearer example? Those of you who are teenagers, you, you have mom and dad. A teenager's relationship with their mom and dad is very one directional. Oh my gosh, my parents don't let me have more than an hour of screen time. Oh, I can't go, my mom said. And, and a teenager's relationship with mom is typically just the teenager complaining about all the things the mom doesn't like. No, the mom says that the teenager doesn't like. You following with me? Somewhat? One of the things that, that, um, that John had to see when Jesus gave him a mom, he gave him a responsibility in the church, is that he was filling Christ's role in that relationship. And guys, I pray that we would start to consider our relationships the same way. Some persons being the worst to us. We have a conflict in some relationship. Brandon talked about the conflict on, on Sunday and it was awesome. And we go through those steps and, and man, if we're not treating that person with the mindset of Christ, we're missing out on what God has for us. If, if you've got friends that you're, you're not treating well, you're missing out on what God has for you, kids. I think we ought to look at our relationships and say, how can I be more like Christ, even when it's not really normal? Even if it means that those of you in teenager, that those of you that are teenagers, if you've got mom or dad who's going through a lot, it's very rare that you see a teenager come up to dad and say, hey dad, I know that your shoulders are heavy. It seems like you had a really hard day at work. Uh, dad, I know I'm 14, but is there anything I can take off your honey-do list? Can I look on YouTube and just, you know, take something off your plate? Or how many 12-year-olds are going to their mom and saying, hey mom, I, I seems like you're going through it. Can I put on a movie and pop some popcorn for you? And I'm just gonna let you take a night off and I'll do dishes and I'll do chores. We ever see that? Have we ever seen that? No, that's a foreign concept. That's because those relationships are one direction. We're not really in it to see what I can do for you. You do stuff for me. Um, and Christ has called us to move past that. We ought to be looking at our parents. How can we help out our parents? How can we help out our ministry leaders? Guys, we have pastors in this church who I couldn't even begin to start to calculate how many lost hours of sleep they have had for this church. They care for this church. We have great pastors, and so many times our responses are, yeah, well that pastor, I don't think he has much time for me. I don't like the way that he says this. Or maybe that ministry has too many meetings. We blame it on the ministry instead of the person. Uh, it's just too much for me, I, I don't really wanna do that. And we let our relationship with our pastor be one directional and every problem we have is because the pastor or because the ministry leader, because our mom or dad. Do you guys get what I'm saying here? We have, if we're gonna be Christ to these family members, we have to be looking at it as to how can I be Christ in this relationship? If it's your pastor, man, let's be coming to church, already studied up the passage, so in case he, he gets confused on a subject, and, and, or in case he says something weird, I'm tracking with him, because I'm already there. I'm the easiest church member ever to preach at. Preach to. 
to hear a message that is preached, right? We wanna look at our ministry leaders and say, hey, how can I be better involved in this ministry? How can I be someone in this ministry that hears what God has for me? In our personal relationships, how can I love my mom? How can I bless my family? Because in the end, just like John, we all get to be foster and adopted family into the family of Christ. We all get brought in. Everybody's given a place. If you received Christ in salvation, you're given a place in the family of Christ. But man, it's not many of us that get the purpose in the family of Christ. That, that he gave his life for us so that we could live it for others. Right? We're gonna close in prayer. We're gonna spend some time. Um, we're gonna spend some time praying and then Harrison's got another song for us. Um, if you're a parent, I want you to go get your little kids, which are still downstairs. But man, if you have something in your mind, if any, if any part of, of being invited to the family of Christ, being Christ to that family, has put on you something that you need to respond to, man, we wanna invite you to come forward. We can pray with you as that family. We can invite you as, as the brothers and sisters in Christ to, to have that family relationship. Um, but we're gonna close in prayer. Harrison's gonna lead us in a song. Um, if you've got something, come deal with it, but otherwise you guys are dismissed. <laughs>